They say some of the, the most, I'll, I'll, I guess I'll call them impactful memories that you have, are the ones that are tied to emotions. Uh, so that means you're going to always remember things like your wedding day, uh, the, the day that your child was born. You're always going to remember your graduation day. You're always going to remember the day you got laid off or the day you got the promotion. You're going to remember the, the day that uh, a loved one passed away. Why? Because all of these uh, experiences were tied to an emotion. And so they stick in your memory better. One of my earliest memories came from when I was in kindergarten. And I know that's crazy because I was so little. And yet, uh, that memory was tied to such a powerful emotion that it has stuck in my brain ever since then. And that emotion was complete fear. Uh, It was a normal kindergarten day, sitting next to one of my best friends, and I had just witnessed him take out his scissors and cut off a piece of his hair. And his hair was so fine and nice that it just sat right on his fingertip, and he went to the trash can and threw it away. And I thought it was the coolest thing I've ever seen. And so guess what I did? (laughs) I took out my scissors and cut some of my hair. But my hair uh, is a little more poofy, and so it didn't lay nicely on my fingertip. A little while later, Mrs. Oldenburg, the kindergarten teacher, came up to me and said, Stephen, did you cut your hair? And I looked at her wide-eyed and I said, no. (laughs) And she, she knelt down beside me and said, then why is there hair all over your desk? And why is there a big chunk of hair missing from your head? Busted. (laughs) Uh, It it was pretty obvious that uh, I had cut my hair. The evidence was laying on my desk, and a big chunk was taken out of my head. It was impossible not to see it. And and as I began to prepare for this sermon today, I thought of that story because as we talk about practicing what you preach... I wonder if when people look at my life, if it's obvious that I'm a Christian. I wonder if when they look at me, if they see evidence of my Christian life, or if they see someone who's a hypocrite. How about you? When someone looks at you, do they see someone who practices what they preach? Someone who uh, is... uh, obvious and evident that they are a Christian? When someone looks at you, is it so obvious that it's like a chunk of your hair is missing from your head and they can just tell that you're a Christian? Today, we are continuing in our sermon series called Anatomy of a Christian. And we're talking about practicing what you preach. And for a Christian, it is so important to practice what you preach because everyone... Everyone knows a hypocrite when they see one. Everyone knows it. They know when they are seeing someone who isn't practicing what they preach. And it affects your integrity. You no longer are trusted. You are no longer someone who does what they say, who uh, follows through on what they believe. And that's known as a hypocrite. 
For those of you who are just joining us today or uh, missed us last week, uh, we are in Anatomy of a Christian. The, the big idea is we are looking at the makeup of a Christian. What is inside the heart of a Christian and what do the outward actions look like? Last week we talked about what is inside the heart of a Christian. The Gospel message. The message of Jesus living and beating in our hearts. And today, we continue in the book of James. Uh, James was originally a letter uh, written around 60 AD uh, to the Jewish Christians scattered throughout the Holy Land, um, from down in Jerusalem all the way up to to Galilee. It was written uh, by Jesus' half-brother, James, uh, and uh, it's at the very back end of the Bible. And today, James addresses uh, hypocrisy within the church. And actually, his whole letter, uh, that's his main focal point, is to address hypocrisy within the church. And so today, he, he has some harsh words to say for us, some, uh, maybe some challenging words, uh, because these things are so prevalent in our life. And so with that in mind, let's start by looking at James 1, beginning with verse 19. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word, and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. God's word demands that we do what it says. That James ends that section by saying that. And, and really in that section, James lays out for us what a hypocrite begins to look like, or the road to becoming a hypocrite. It, it's someone who, who doesn't think, someone who doesn't slow down, someone who doesn't listen. And when we are living like this, we are on the path to hypocritical living, to living, like, living not like a child of the risen Lord. And each of us have the resurrection beating in our hearts, don't we? We believe that Jesus is our Savior. He lives in our hearts. And it's the resurrection that actually helps us to live like James wants us to live. How? Well, if Jesus rose from the dead, which He did, that means that you are going to rise from the dead. And so what that means is that every problem that you face today, it's only temporary. And so there's no reason to get all angry about it because it's going to pass. It's going to come to an end. Uh, that, that trouble is going to end. There's no reason to get angry about it. The resurrection that lives inside of us helps us with that. And it helps us to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. It helps us to do what God's Word says. But let's be clear about something. We aren't saved because of how well we keep God's Word. We aren't saved by our track record. We aren't saved by our performance, right? And, th- and praise God we're not. Because if we take one look at our track record, what do we see? Our performance is not what God demands. Our performance doesn't live up to God's expectations. No, it's not. Our performance doesn't save us. Rather, it's the Word 
that's planted in our hearts that saves us. And what does that word say? The word that's planted in your heart tells you that Jesus lived perfectly for you. The word that's planted in your heart tells you that Jesus died to take away all of your sins. The word that's planted in your heart tells you that your Savior rose from the dead. And that because He rose, so will you. That's the word that's planted in your heart. That's the word that saves you. And it's that word that makes us and motivates us to want to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. It's that word that gives us motivation to do what God's word says and to practice what we preach. So how is your life looking? When people look at your life, do they see a child of the risen Lord? Well, how does your life look with these three things? Being quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Have you ever had a conversation with somebody and you're standing with them and and, and they are face to face with you and you're looking them directly in the eye and as they're talking, you're nodding your head and you're saying things like, yeah, okay. And even though it appears that you're listening, you don't hear a word that they're saying because in the meantime, you're thinking of the answer that you want to respond with or you're thinking of what you're going to say next. That's not being quick to listen. That's actually being quick to speak because you're more worried about what you have to say than what they have to say. Maybe it's a little uh, more dramatic, more drastic. At home, you're having a conversation with your spouse and you have opposite opinions and uh, anger starts to flare up a little bit and next thing you know it, uh, you are the only one talking because you don't want to listen. You want to be understood before you understand because you are right. And if you are right and your opinion is what what is right, how can they know your opinion if you don't tell them? How can they know you're right unless if you are the one speaking? It doesn't work like that. We have to speak. That's not doing what God's Word says. Maybe we're not so vocal about it, though. Maybe instead uh, we get angry as uh, someone else has a different opinion than us, and instead of talking it through and being quick to listen to see where they're coming from, we just shut down completely. Nope, not going to talk about it. You storm off to the bedroom, close the door, end of discussion, don't want to hear what you have to say. I'm right, you're wrong. Let this pass. That's not doing what God's Word says. It's not practicing what we preach, right? Right? How does this look with social media? Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat. Do people see that you are a Christian on there? Are you quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry? Just a few months ago, we had the election. And I'll be honest, there was not a lot of Christian things going on on social media, even from Christians at that time. Uh, you want to talk about be quick to becoming angry, just go on social media and see a post, and there is nothing but anger and angry posts on there. It was unbelievable. Why? Because it's so easy just to go on and rattle off our thoughts. It's so easy to go on and just tear somebody down because they aren't standing in front of us. It's easy not to listen when you have to wait for somebody 
to respond, right? And so how do your posts look? How does your social media look? Is it filled with moral filth? Or is it filled with being quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry? How does this look at work as you deal with people who have different personalities than you? How does it look in your mom's group and at school? You know, it's it's kind of ironic that the only time that we are quick to listen and slow to speak is when there's some juicy gossip around, isn't it? As soon as someone has some gossip, we are zip lips, ears wide open. We are ready to listen then. Tell me what you got. That is not doing what God's Word says. That's not practicing what we preach. That's living a hypocritical lifestyle. It's not being slow, to, quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. And we've all been there. We've all been there where our blood pressure starts to rise and, and uh, we become angry. And anger in and of itself is not wrong. It's how we react to that anger that's wrong. Does our anger lead to bitterness? Does our anger uh, lead us to just tear everyone around us down and, and just like machine gun style take everyone out because we just were angry? That's not doing what God's Word says. And maybe there's a question rolling around in our head. And I think we need to answer it. It's, what's the big deal? What is the big deal if we do what God's Word says or not? We are forgiven after all, right? The risen Lord lives in our hearts. We know Him. Who cares? This week I was at a pastor's conference up in Oklahoma City. And I was sitting there talking with uh, another pastor who's a a few years older than me. And he told me a story from when he was at seminary. Uh, He and two of his friends had another friend down in Chicago. And so uh, they went to go visit their friend who had an apartment down there. And, And their friend had a female roommate. Not girlfriend or anything, just he had a roommate who was... A female. And uh, after one of the nights, they went out and they went to a party, had too much to drink, came back, and they decided to talk to this female roommate because she was an atheist. And they said, you really don't believe in God? Nope, I don't believe in God. How in the world can you not believe in God? And she said, I have three perfect examples standing right in front of me. You're studying to be pastors. And you don't even listen to your God. Why should I? We know the risen Lord. We know Him. He lives in our hearts. We know that He is the only way to eternal life. And yet when we don't do what God's Word says, when we don't practice what we preach, it can actually lead people away from Jesus into the fire of hell. And James has some pretty harsh words to say about Christians who live like that. Here's what he says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. James says... If we know God's Word, if we study it intently and then we go out and live like we don't know it, it's like we just looked at our face intently and now forget what we look like. Think about that. 
How long does it take you to get ready in the morning? 15 minutes? Half hour? Uh, maybe women, it takes you a little longer. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but as you're standing in front of the mirror, doing your makeup or getting ready, you're looking at yourself in the mirror. And when you walk away, do you forget what you look like? No. And yet when we go out after looking intently into God's Word and don't do what it says, it's like we don't even remember what we look like. It would never happen. And yet this is how we live when we don't do what God's Word says. And as we study and we look into God's Word, we see what our true identity is, right? And here's our our, our big takeaway. I forgot the rest of the verses. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongue deceive themselves and the religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Our big takeaway is not that I forgot those verses. Our big takeaway is this. Our integrity reveals our true identity. What does that mean? As we look into God's Word, and we see who we are, and we see what God has made us, and we live like it, it reveals who we really are, right? When we practice what we preach, when we're known as someone who practices what we preach, it shows what is really in our hearts. Because as we look into God's Word, what do we see? We see, yes, that we have been sinful. But we also see what God calls us. You see, as we look into God's Word, we see that God calls us His blood-bought children. And as we look into that mirror in the morning, we look at someone whom Jesus died for. Someone that Jesus shed His blood to wash away each and every one of our sins. And so as you look at yourself in the mirror, you are not seen a sinner. You are seen someone who stands forgiven by God. Someone that the holy, perfect Father has made His holy, perfect child. And so those sins and those struggles that you deal with on a daily basis, they don't define you. We all have different sins that we struggle with, right? Some struggle alcohol, drugs, porn, lust, gossip, judgmental thoughts. These things don't define who we are anymore. God defines who we are. He calls us His blood-bought child. He calls you His forgiven child, holy and blameless in His sight. And because you are holy and blameless because of Jesus, because He rose from the dead, you are going to rise one day and live forever with Him in heaven where no problems will exist, where evil is no longer around, where sin is gone. Because of who you are, because of who Jesus has made you, it makes you want to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. It makes us want to do what God's Word says and practice what we preach. And so how does this look in our lives? Well, it applies in just about every aspect, doesn't it? It applies as we we approach God's Word. We approach God's Word not from a, a standpoint of, well, I think God would want me to do this. Uh, or, I think God's Word says this. No. We simply step back and we are quick to listen to God's Word. As we are in the home, 
We want to understand where our family is coming from. We want to seek to understand before being understood. That's being quick to listen. We want to know why they feel the way they do. We want to know why they are acting the way they are acting. As we're in the workplace, we want to be quick to listen. Because yes, they might be giving you a hard time, your coworker, but maybe they're going through something in life. Maybe disaster has struck. Maybe they're going through a tragedy. And how can we know if we aren't quick to listen? It applies in every aspect of our life. Jesus has made us His perfect children. The risen Lord lives in our hearts. And it makes us want to practice what we preach. It makes us want to to, uh, show what is truly in our hearts. And that is that Jesus lives there. Because we want to show that we are His children. And we want to lead others to Him. And so we want it to be obvious that we are His children. We want there to be evidence upon evidence upon evidence that we are Jesus's. We want it to be so obvious that we would even say, as obvious as a big old chunk of hair taken out of our head. Amen. Please stand. Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, we thank you for making us your children. And we ask that you fill us with wisdom to know your word and that you give us the strength to carry out what it says. In your name we pray. Amen.